and he's in all. We'll begin to see each other as God's children instead of human beings, just another guy, just another girl. And that shift of our paradigm, our vision of how we look at each other and interact with each other is huge. It's life transforming. It will transfigure your life from a fleshly, earthly perspective and living like Paul told the Corinthians, like normal men, just like mere men, to receiving, living in the household of God and receiving gifts from God through each other and sharing gifts that God has given with each other. The whole thing changes. And instead of a fleshly life, a spiritual life is experienced in your flesh. And that's Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's what we're called to. If, if I had the time, I hope you will take the time. Read Ephesians chapter 1, the first three chapters, and then come to chapter 4. That'll lay the foundation of this truth in your life. When you have a foundation of this truth in your life, you are building your life on it. And a storm can come, and men can tell you all kinds of things, and do all kinds of things with your gift, or abuse their gifts with you. You can receive all kinds of negative experiences on this subject and this truth in your life, but you've got your life built on this foundation. And the storms of life will beat upon it. It won't change you. It won't change your calling and your obedience to that calling. And it won't change your perspective because you'll see God in all of it, through all of it, and over all of it. When you believe God is sovereign, that sovereign, you can receive everything in your life from his hand, giving it to you. And you know what happens then? The devil loses big time. He gets no credit. Never do you credit the devil with blame for your life or your experiences in it. He gets zeroed out, defeated from your thought life. You don't credit or blame the devil for anything. Why? Because he's been defeated on this truth, on the cross. He was defeated. He was rendered powerless and deserves no more credit. You begin to esteem the devil with the estimation that he is given in heaven. You see him the same way heaven sees him. And you experience him the same way heaven is experiencing him. Now let's read Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 7. But to each one of us grace was given. That word grace is simply this. A divine heavenly influence upon the heart. Heaven speaks and acts 
and comes to bear upon you. I think of grace in the picture of Daniel's life. Daniel was a young man living in an Israel that had experienced great revival under King Josiah. That's where he grew up in, that church. It was the greatest revival Israel had known in generations. In fact, it tells us when Josiah held a Passover, there was no Passover experienced like that in Israel since Samuel. Not even David had experienced a Passover like that in Israel. That's how great the revival was there. Daniel was growing up like a young boy. Maybe he was 12. I don't know. Teenager. Somewhere in there. Because when Josiah died prematurely, was killed in battle, his son Jehoiakim became king. And he only reigned for a short time when Nebuchadnezzar came and warred against him and carried away the first captives to Babylon. And Daniel, it says, was a young man at that time. And he was one of the noblemen. And when Nebuchadnezzar looked for someone to begin to put into his kingdom and add to his princes, he looked for the finest of the young men he carried away from Jerusalem. And Daniel was one of them. Daniel seen the great revival of God in Israel. What do you think his hopes were as a young man? How excited do you think he really was? And then tragedy struck, and the king was killed, and no one seen that coming. And Joseph, his son, began to reign and Baal worship. All of the revival evaporated. He was gone. And people were worshiping idols publicly. And sin abounded. For just a few years, maybe one year ago, there was great revival. And God's people were sinning all over the place. They were slaves to sin. Daniel. Seen Nebuchadnezzar come up. And capture him. And others. And take him to a faraway land. Now here is Daniel, and he's faced with a test, pretty insignificant test, just food, that's all. You ever been tested with food? You ever discarded it as just nothing really, right? Probably just my imagination, that the Holy Spirit would take food and test me with it, test my obedience to him, with a little thing like, Eating food. Why would he do that? It's all spiritual with Jesus, you know. The great revival, the Passover, the, the things we do together at church, the prayer, the Bible reading. And why does he care about whether I eat ice cream or not? Or how much I eat? That's where Daniel was tested. In a faraway land where Daniel as a young man could have been utterly discouraged, even depressed, and given up on God given up on revival and disillusioned with Israel for sure. Here he is all alone with a few other men. And the king says, here I want you to eat all this good food. And Daniel's heart 
was rooted in this foundation, the word of God. And it didn't matter whether he was in the height of the revival or the lows of the sin, the cause of sin and the suffering of it on God's people. Not in Daniel's personal life, generally in God's people. And Daniel cried out to God. And God blessed him. What did God bless him with? Someone tell me. What did God bless Daniel with? He blessed him with heavenly wisdom. And when Daniel was tested through the wise men not being able to interpret the king's dream, Daniel comes and he cries out to God for a revelation. That's grace. That's divine heavenly influence. And it changed Daniel from being this young man caught up in the midst of a revival in Israel to the Daniel you and I know well and read of. A Daniel who is marked by one thing. Even though he went through numerous revolutions in the land he lived in, and he, he was a man of influence, he, he should have been killed at every revolution. He was third highest to the king. He was a part of the king's administration. They usually killed those people. Daniel went through each one. And we know him not for what he did for Babylon, do we? In fact, we can't even hardly read about what he did for the king. What we know him for is his relationship with God. Daniel, greatly beloved. His revelation he received from God. That's what we know Daniel for. That's how he encourages you and I. Dear brothers and sisters, this is great. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. You are Daniel. You are. Every one of us is as important to God as Daniel is, was. You are Daniel. I don't know where this finds you, in the midst of revival or at the suffering of the hands of others' sins around you. Or perhaps you feel like you've been carried away into a heathen land, into a no man's land, living in a kind of place where you feel very uncomfortable and out of place and you don't know what to do. Maybe you're at that strange place. Therefore it says, Verse 8, when he, Jesus, ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives and gave gifts to men. Now this expression, he ascended, what does it mean except that he also had descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is himself also he who ascended far above the heavens, that he might fill all things. I want to dive into that one with you. I don't know if you believe this or how you think about what happened when Jesus was crucified. Turn your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 28. This is 
the foundation of any gift you and I have. That's why we're reading this. It's very important. Actually, I'm, gonna, I'm going to go to Matthew chapter 27, um, beginning in verse 50. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice. You thought that was loud? I think it was a lot louder than that. And Jesus cried out, and he yielded up his spirit. And behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook, and the rocks were split, and the tombs were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the tombs, after his resurrection, they entered the holy city and appeared to many. I don't know what you would do if all of a sudden Tombs would be opened and people that you knew were dead because you were at their funeral would meet you the next day. That's, that's what happened. All of a sudden, Christian would just show up. Gene and James would show up with him. Hi. Hey, Mom. Anybody home? Wait, what? James? Gene? For those of you who don't know, Gene and Sammy's two boys who were killed in a car wreck a number of years ago, that's who I'm referring to. Our son Christian. Others that you know. That's what happened. Is this just a story to you? or Are you in this story? And coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they entered the holy city and appeared to many. What happened those three days when Jesus yielded up the ghost on the cross? They put his body in the tomb, but his spirit descended first. Ephesians 4 says, it descended into the lower parts of the earth, where I believe Sheol was. What was called Sheol in the Old Testament was a sleeping place of the dead. It was a place that God had made where when you die, your soul goes down there into this place and you sleep, the sleep of death. Daniel was told to go there. The end of Daniel, chapter 12, God said to Daniel, Daniel, I've given you all these revelations. Write them down. They're not going to happen in your time. You go sleep for a while. And in the end, you will rise too. You will rise. Well, I believe Daniel rose here. I believe he did. Many of the saints arose. In that place where the dead went before Christ did this. All the souls went there. All the souls who died. Whether you were a Philistine, an Amalekite, or a from the tribe of Judah. That's where you went. Samuel's soul went there as well as Saul's. Because he tells us when Saul came and used witchcraft to bring up Samuel's voice from the dead for guidance as to what to do, Samuel said this to Saul. 
Why did you disturb me from my sleep? Tomorrow, you will be with me right here. So they went there, all the souls. Not only those souls. In 1 Peter chapter 3. Turn your Bibles with me there to 1 Peter chapter 3. This is speaking of baptisms and what Christ did through this act of his baptism. Verse 18, for Christ also died for sins once for all, the just for the unjust, in order that he might Bring us to God, having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which also he went, and he made proclamation to the spirits, now in prison, the prison of death, who once were disobedient when the patience of God kept waiting in the days of Noah. Oh, those people were there too during the construction of the ark in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through the water. And corresponding to that, baptism now saves you, not the removal of dirt from the flesh, but an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who didn't stay in the middle of the earth. Ephesians 4, he that descended also ascended. And what happened when the one who descended ascended many souls of the saints? I believe Jesus went down, according to 1 Peter 3, and he proclaimed the gospel to every soul from Adam until his death that day. The thief who died with him went there with him. Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. And he preached the gospel to them. He made proclamation of the gospel. And those who believed rose with him that day. And hell turned into a burning place of fire that Jesus described when he spoke of hell. Never before had hell and death been referred to as a burning place of fire. Never before in the scriptures. Jesus was the first to call it that kind of a place. Because that's what it turned to. When Jesus brought all the souls who believed in him to glory. And he ascended at the right hand of God. Having gone into heaven after angels and authorities and powers had been made subjected to him. That's what happened. And that's what I believe when Revelation 12 happened. This is our foundation of our gift. Don't forget it. Turn your Bibles with me to Revelation chapter 12. John has seen visions on the Lord's day. And he was caught up into heaven. And this is grace. Divine, heavenly perspective that John wrote the book of Revelation out is called grace. A great sign appeared in heaven, Revelation chapter 12, and a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet and on her head a crown of 12 stars. And she was with child 
And she cried out, being in labor and in pain to give birth. And another sign appeared in heaven. And behold, a great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns. And on his seven heads were seven diadems. And his tail, I want you to notice something. I think there was a big gap of time between verse 3 and verse 4. There was a long time, at least some time, when the devil was one with seven heads and ten horns, and on his heads were seven diadems. Read with me in Ezekiel chapter 28. There's a description of the prince of Tyre, calls him here. Of Tyre at this time was a city that was very wicked. It had rejoiced at the fall of Jerusalem, and it had economically taken over the land, became very powerful with Israel out of the way. But God had something to say to them through the prophet Ezekiel, verse 11. And again the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation over the king of Tyre and say to him, Thus says the Lord God, You had the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect, in beauty. You were in Eden. The garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. The burl, the ox, the jasper, the lapis luzili, I don't know how to pronounce all this, the turquoise, the emerald, and the gold, the workmanship of your settings and sockets was in you on the day that you were created and they were prepared. You were the anointed cherub who covers, and I placed you there. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked in the midst of the stones of fire. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created until unrighteousness was found in you. By the abundance of your trade, you were internally filled with violence, and you sinned. Therefore, I have cast you out as profane from the mountain of God. And I have destroyed you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom by reason of your splendor. I cast you to the ground. I put you before kings that they may see you. Revelation chapter 12, verse 4. And his tail swept away a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth to the king of kings and lord of lords. I paraphrase that. So that when she gave birth, he might devour her child. Jesus wasn't even two years old. And what did Satan try to do? Kill him. Destroy him. And so he killed many babies, two years and under, to be sure to be rid of this king. And she gave birth to a son, a male child, who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up to God and to his throne. Jesus always escaped. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she had a place prepared by God 
so that there she might be nourished for 1,260 days. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels waging war with the dragon. And the dragon and his angels waged war. I believe this happened on the cross. This war was why the cross was such a precipice in Jesus' heart. Jesus wasn't hanging there, just enduring the nails, being nailed to a piece of wood. Jesus was experiencing this. And they were not strong enough. There was no longer a place found for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, that serpent of old who is called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, and I believe that this is what was, this is the voice that was heard saying, and this is why the earth rent and the rocks split when Jesus died. Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of Christ have come. The authority of His Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down. Who accuses them before our God day and night. But not any the only accusation that the devil can bring against you and me today is through others who will yield themselves to him, not before God. That was changed this day. And they overcame him because of the blood of the Lamb and because of the word of their testimony, and they did not love their life even to death. For this reason, rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them, and woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, knowing that he has only a short time. And when the dragon saw that he was thrown down to the earth, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. And indeed, the moment that Jesus' life came forth into a man, Christ, and all his seed. That's why he knows his wrath. He's consumed by his wrath against the church. And when the dragon saw that he was thrown down to the earth, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. And the two wings of the great eagle, eagle were given to the woman in order that she might fly into the wilderness to her place. I want you to notice where the, will, where the woman finds rescue. In the wilderness. And the church today is rescued in the wilderness of the world. The church is protected. A foreigner and an alien is not our home. We live in a foreign country. Ever been to a foreign country? Something is different. I've traveled to many foreign countries, and even though they may be similar in culture and in in economic status as the United States, it still just didn't feel like home. I remember years ago, some of us brothers traveled to Australia, and the Lord pressed this so deep, like 14 days. I think it was one of the last sermons I gave to the church in Melbourne. 
I told him, I said, you know, I feel so out of place in this. You guys don't even speak English correctly. Your, your language, your accent is off. I just want to go home. This is not my home. I'm not an Aussie. It's just natural. The natural man speaking. Spiritually, home. Do you feel the same way? About your life? Here, right here and now. You know. You're in the wilderness and times and a half a time from the presence of the serpent. Dear brothers and sisters, if you don't find nourishment in the presence of the devil, you will be nourished by him. He'll make sure to feed you the husks of the world. He'll feed you his spirit. Daniel, you'll trip or you'll win. I wonder how many spiritual Battles won in the presence.